0: Freeway Rick Ross, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I yes, appreciate
1: yes. it. Yes. All the way in San Diego, man.
0: Well, thanks for coming down here. I appreciate it.
1: Yes. No so, problem. No problem.
0: For those of you that don't know this guy, Who an absolute that? living legend. Who is that? The audience of Thinking Bigger with Kevin Feely.
1: Uh, what's up, audience?
0: So, uh, so tell them a little bit about you if they don't know.
1: Oh. Uh, wow. Where do we start, man? Um uh, grew up in LA. Uh, lived here in San Diego, right down the street from here for six years. Oh, I didn't know that. Oh, you were in jail down here. <laughs> I had a million dollar view, man. I got to see the ships come in, the the, the aircraft carriers go in and out. So, you know, I, I had a great view, you know. Um, started playing tennis, you know, when I was around 13. and I'm so glad that I did because uh, my life could have turned out so much different. Even though I did 20 years in prison. I had a friend that just got out to do forty-five years in prison, and, and he didn't make no money. So I was like, "Wow, what yeah. a lucky guy!" And you know, this man, this guy hung out in elementary school together. We were friends, and sort of friends in junior high. But but you know, he he started going a little harder than 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 I was going, and and then I, I started playing tennis. So I got all the way from the hardness and and started chasing the green ball.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So. And you grew up in a in a Crip neighborhood in L.A.,
1: right? Yeah, I grew I grew up in a Crip neighborhood. Now I live in a Blood neighborhood. <laughs> 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 yeah, I grew up in Hoover Crip hood, and right now I live in Denver Lane hood. Um, interesting, you know, to 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 live in um, different gang territories. Um, but you know, I was been I was pretty cool with both sides. You know, uh, by not being affiliated. Yeah. You know, uh, associated but not affiliated. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> at a distance. And <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's dangerous.
0: Yeah. Well, you said that uh, playing tennis kept you from becoming
1: a crip, right? Probably so. If 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 I was making a guess about it, I would say tennis probably saved my life wow you know in in more ways than one yeah uh because it was really a vulnerable time for me uh when i when i picked up tennis and i was getting to that point to where mom's whoopings wasn't starting to matter anymore yeah and it was getting to the point to where i didn't know if i was gonna be taking whoopings Mm -hmm. you know like hold up man i'm grown now Yeah. (laughs) yeah i'm 14 years old you ain't with me no more you know like that dear uh Definitely, I, I had roared up at her husband a couple times. Like, you ain't none of my daddy. Yeah. You know, don't you be talking to me like that. And so, uh, yeah, I, I, I really, really, really appreciate tennis, you know. Um, and I almost forced all of my kids to play. All really? All played. Yeah, yeah. All of my kids played tennis. Knock on wood. Two of them went to prison. I mean, two of them been in prison, you know, but not long, long times. Yeah. Um. And since I've been home, none of them have been back to jail at all. So, you know, I take some credit for that. You know, when I was in jail, they were, you know, two of my sons were in and out all the time. Uh, but, yeah, they, they, they kind of finding their way now.
0: Right. Amazing. So how many kids do you have?
1: Eight or nine. Wow. All
0: right. Yeah, eight
1: or nine. All right. I like kids. Yeah. <laughs>
0: I got my first one coming in April.
1: Congratulations! Thank I you. like them. Yeah, it's a life changer. Yeah, that's cool. Oh my goodness! Don't have no girl.
0: Oh man, that's my first one.
1: A I girl? got a girl coming oh, in April. Oh my goodness! She's gonna melt you. You're done. <laughs> <Tell> me, that's <laughs> what my girl says. Uh, you're done. <laughs> yeah. My daughters, because I, I, I mean, my 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 oldest two daughters, you know, when when I left, they were they were young still, but now, you know, now my 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 youngest daughter is eleven plays tennis and and you know she thinks she she runs me (laughs) and i'm probably soft on her you know the tennis coach was like man you always cater to your daughter you don't never cater to to bryson so uh yeah daughters they they, they special man they uh they touch you in a special way
0: all right yeah one of my friends uh had a really good quote shout out to whitney uh she said "Um, a large part of your soul lives outside of your body until you have kids do you think that's true
1: possible yeah yeah you know kids will make you do certain things you know um uh, my kids stopped me from smoking weed yeah you know when i was smoking weed um uh, that was the reason i stopped um selling cocaine you know they they were part of the reason i stopped selling cocaine you know uh, i wanted to 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 be there with them you know so yeah, they 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 will do things to you that nobody else can do. Yeah, <laughs>
0: all right. Well, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I'm ready yeah. for the challenge.
1: Yeah, congratulations again. Thank you.
0: I appreciate it. So, uh, so you grew up in L.A. and um, you know you you grew up when when I mean I remember that you had mentioned that the Crips were kind of becoming a thing when you were growing up, right? So it wasn't. Like it is nowadays when people nah, think of nah, you not know. nothing like it is now. You know,
1: uh, you know when I when I when I, when I was growing up in South Central LA, there was hardly any killings. You know, it uh, was a pretty safe place to play. Like like my mom would let us play out on the streets. You know, mm-hmm. all day we played football right on the streets. Uh, we'd ride our bike from the house to to the beach, and um, it, it was fairly safe. You yeah, know, it was a different. It was a different time. Definitely a different time. I mean, this. Uh, new breed of of gangsters that, that we have now, um, mm, they don't look at life the same as the guys that, that, that I grew up with. I mean, these guys <coughs> was ruthless now. You know, they'd walk up to you and blow your brains out. Yeah. But they didn't do drive-by shootings. You know, um, they, they just had a little more tack about them. Uh, uh, a little more pride, I think, in in how they did it now. Um, You know, some of the stuff that I hear goes on nowadays is is crazy where they go and shoot your mama and if they can't catch you, they shoot your mama. And, you know, it's just just wild right now. Yeah. With with this society.
0: How much of that do you think is influenced by the music, like the music industry?
1: Oh, man. (laughs) It's crazy you brought that up. I was just... I never really watched Tupac Tupac. Yeah. Um but now since all the stuff has been going on, you know, with, with Keefe D. Keefy D yeah. and the P. Diddy stuff. Yeah. Um I wanted to watch a Tupac documentary, you know, like what really happened? Yeah. And, and I'm in one of the I'm, I'm in one of the documentaries too, you know. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They they pulled me over because uh I was in M C C when Tupac got killed. Yeah. Uh, my crimey is from, What well, Keefe D and him is from.
0: Yeah, well, that's what I was going to ask, because cause he's from that era, too, right? Like, he's an older dude. Yeah,
1: yeah. And it was funny. The day I got ready to do this crime, I went over to my crimey's house, and Baby Lang was there at the house. So when... When Pac got killed, I called my crimey, and he was like, "You heard what happened?" He was like, "Remember, dude, that was here at the house." And I was like, "Yeah." So it was like, "Wow, crazy, crazy, yes." KVD, you're saying, or no, no, no. Um, Baby Lang was there at the okay, house. yeah, wow. So it it was just just for all that stuff to be so connected and so tied that yeah. that. That it was, you know, like I knew before they started saying it on the news. Like, and I'm in jail. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah. That's
0: crazy. Well, I mean, that's the definition <coughs> of tapped in, right there, right?
1: It is. And so I'm watching this 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 documentary the other night, and, and Pac says some profound shit to, to me. I mean, it's like like really fucked me up. Pac was like, "Why is all this shit happening to me?" I'm just a rapper, and an actor. Yeah. And the conversation ended there. And what I took from that is he was saying that this gangster stuff is starting to happen to him, but he's not really a gangster. Right. He was saying that I'm just a, a rapper and, a, and an actor. But what happens? What what I found out is is there's a thing they call that's called the law of attraction. Hmm. And we bring to ourselves whatever it is that we most adore and most want. You know, it's like say, for instance, I want to be I want to be a professional tennis player. Yeah. Right. I want to be like Arthur ass so I'm working. But then my cousin take me to a movie theater, and I see Superfly. Now I'm like, fuck, this guy harder than Arthur ash Yeah. You know what I'm saying? He just kicked the whole police station's ass. And you know, 14 years old, maybe 15, I'm a kid, you know, still trying to find his way, you know, looking for somebody, you know, that can direct me and and then bam, here he is right here on the screen, on the big screen. My man, my new man who, who makes the whole police department bow down, you know, you ever saw Superfly? long time ago yeah yeah took dope. me a minute when you
0: said that i was like yeah. dope
1: movie remember the scene when um he's trying to get out the game and he's working for the cops right and the
0: dude with the big afro right
1: yeah he had the afro okay, yeah and and then the cops is they they're gonna catch him and take all his money because they don't want him to get out the game they want him to stay in the game so he has his girl dress up like a old lady. He dumped the money in her bag, and he carrying the same bag out, and the cops stop him, and they do a little fight, blah, 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 and they pull a gun on him. He say, go ahead, use it. Use it, motherfucking pig. And if you do, I took a contract out on you, your daughter, your wife, all y'all. If you touch one hand on my head, I'm gonna kill all y'all. And when, when I saw that, it was the first time I ever saw a black man talk down to a white man, Mm. you know? And a cop at that, I'm like, what the fuck? Yeah. So what what I didn't understand is that in the back of my mind, I fell in love with this guy. Right. And not only did I fall in love with him, but I also fell in love with what gave him his power, Mm -hmm. which was cocaine. Mm. So five or six years later, I'm sitting at my partner's house and he laid this shit out on the table. And like, this cocaine, cocaine, you serious? You know, I'm a green tennis player. Never drunk a beer, never smoked a cigarette, never hit a joint, never saw weed, never saw cocaine. And now he's introducing me to cocaine. And and then, boom, I tried it. And what I understood now, because I read, you know, I I went to prison, I was illiterate. Yeah. Totally illiterate. You know, but I didn't come out that way. So all of y'all who think y'all gonna take advantage of me, keep going, we gonna see. Uh, But doing my studies, I found out that there's a thing that's called the law of attraction. Yep. Um, So you
0: learned about law of attraction in prison. Yes. Where, where, where you taught yourself how to read. You didn't know how to read before prison and you were so motivated to get out of prison that I you taught how to read. yourself how to, yeah. that's amazing
1: if i wouldn't know how to read i probably would still be in prison right now yeah yeah
0: so so before we go into that i want to just when when you had said that superfly was that thing that planted the seed that maybe shifted you away from tennis and towards the life that you went towards
1: well i didn't quit playing tennis right then
0: right but subconsciously it sent you in it a different wasn't direction
1: it wasn't the same you know i had love for superfly yeah yeah know?
0: So how much of that nowadays do you think is with these kids that are doing crazy things, right? I mean, compared when you said that back in the day people at least had some sort of ethics, and now you said they'll run up and shoot your mom. Do you think that a lot of that is because of the music industry?
1: Oh, I totally, I totally blame it on the on the music industry. Really? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Because I understand how much that movie affected me, and see, I only saw that movie one time. Right. Right you're talking about these kids listen to this music over and over and over and over, and then when that record stops, then you got this other guy who's saying almost the same thing, and then after he dies, another one comes back and and they they're recycling the same material, yep, you know just finding uh trickier ways to play with it and and different melodies and and so forth to uh to entice the mind,
0: yeah tapping into the subconscious mind and yeah, it's, it's, it's crazy. It's crazy. So, uh, so you, you tried cocaine and when you tried cocaine for the first time after not doing drugs, not drinking really, you didn't drink at all before that. No. So when you tried it, did it make you realize like, maybe you liked it so much like, man, well, everybody else is going to like this. No, or,
1: no, I, I, I didn't believe. Okay. I, 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 I really, I mean, my boy who introduced me i loved him yeah like a big brother yeah you know this is my guy so it was hard for me not to trust him and believe him but what he was saying he's telling me that i could be rich yeah i'm like me you know the guy who went to shoot went to school with tennis balls glued to the toe of his shoe, so he, his foot wouldn't be on the ground, and all of his socks had the same hole in them because the shoe had a hole in that side, you know. Like they weren't the red Converse, were they? <laughs> no, 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 no. I that love was that after story. the red Converse. Yeah. Uh, the red Converse was when I was in junior high school.
0: <laughs> Tell that story real quick, because I, I want people <laughs> to hear that.
1: Well, when I was going to when I went to Bret Hart, everybody had Converse. You know, that was like, and, and we were super poor. Yeah, my, my mom. My mom adopted three of my cousins um, and she just didn't have, you know, she was living above her means. You know, she bought a house. When, when we first, when she first started buying a house, her and my auntie were going to buy the house together. Mm -hmm. My auntie wound up dying Mm. and my mom went on and and finished the the, the process. So she bought the house, but we were really poor. Like we would have three pair of pants. Me and my, my brothers would get three pair of pants for the year. And we would have wow. to swap pants. and Like, okay, you wear these. But we all made sure we got different pairs. Yeah. So they look a little different, and the kids would recognize it. So I, I want a pair of Converse. Yeah. You know, like Mom, I want some Converse, and they, they were like eleven dollars. She was like, "Boy, I ain't buying you no eleven dollars shoes. Is you crazy?" So uh, she said, "What you want for Christmas?" I said, "Some Converse." <laughs> <laughs> so she finally bought me some Converse, and she come <clears throat> home, and they were red. In a crip neighborhood in a Crip neighborhood. So now I gotta wear these to school and everybody's calling me Red Shoes Dugan. <laughs> <laughs> Remember the Dugans that used to drive the, the car? Yep. And run it through, so. Red Shoes Red Dugan. Red Shoes Dugan. So that became my my my, my tease name throughout the whole year. So, you know, I would drag those shoes. I was trying to wear those. I tried to wear those shoes out. Yeah, I yeah. wanted those to wear out. But when I started playing tennis, you know, in tennis, we drag our toe when we serve and, and, and do certain things, so. I could wear a pair of tennis shoes out in a couple of weeks. Nice. That's so, um, I would take tennis balls and them to the toilet shoe and, and to keep them buy. going. Yeah. yeah. Keep them going. You know, I didn't have money to buy tennis shoes every week, but that's the, uh, that's the rich, sh- the red shoe do- story. That's funny. <laughs> <laughs> and it's in my book. So, you know, anybody that haven't read my book, you know, you want to know more about that story and some of the other, uh, adventures that, that I, that I went through, uh, Feel free to go to my website. Don't go to Amazon and buy it. Yeah, Ricky We're
0: gonna link that in the description below. So if you're interested in buying his book, go buy that book. Support this man and listen to the story too. Cause uh, yes. I'm gonna go buy it too and get some game.
1: And I, and I wrote that book. Uh, most of that book I did while I was right downtown here. Really? Yeah. 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 Well, you know, it was really. That was one of the saddest times of my life. You know, to think that um, that I may never be going home again. You know, it's like pretty pretty low
0: yeah well i mean you went in with a life sentence without the possibility of parole
1: yeah that was here
0: how did that so how did that feel right and and i mean you went from being what the biggest drug dealer in the country well
1: some say that
0: i mean you were i was pretty
1: big i was pretty big you know million dollars every day not profit yeah people get that twisted my profit on a million dollars is probably about 200000
0: 20% margin is still really good. <laughs> I mean, like, that's crazy. $200,000 a day?
1: Yeah, yeah, and then sometimes, you know, I make I make, make $3 million in one day. Yeah. And sometimes my profit margin might be a little higher. You know, it might be a guy that comes from St. Louis, and he don't know what the prices are. Yeah. And you, you stick it to him. You know, yeah, like, yeah. Yeah, we got this country boy. That's funny. Yeah. So it varied, it but, uh, yeah, I made, quite, I made quite a bit of money. So,
0: you you try cocaine for the first time. What leads you to selling cocaine? Because this guy says you can be rich and-, and That led me to selling cocaine. Okay.
1: <laughs> no, uh, well, well what, what he did is he gave me a piece to go out and try, and and I did. And first, it, it took me a while to find somebody that knew if it was really cocaine. Because I didn't even know if it was really cocaine, you know? right? Like, man, this ain't really no cocaine. How do you get cocaine, you know? like. like you ain't never had no cocaine before. Because cocaine wasn't as popular, right? No, it wasn't. But it it was really, really expensive. Right. We're talking about a gram, maybe three fifty. Three hundred
0: and fifty dollars? Yeah, for
1: a gram. In then? Yeah. Coke was expensive back then. Yeah.
0: And what year was that?
1: Seventy
0: nine, eighty. Wow. I mean that's I mean your eleven dollars shoes you know I mean that puts that in a perspective right exactly so what led well this you... was even
1: later than than eleven dollar shoes The eleven dollar shoes was in 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 like seventy two right right yeah so wow. so so it was it was a little you know a little after that
0: right so so you ended up becoming this massive drug kingpin. So how did that level up, right? Cause
1: slowly, yeah. slowly. Cause you're a first- lot of lessons. Okay. You know, that first piece that he gave me, I, I ran into my boy Martin and Martin wound up smoking that whole piece up, you know, like it was so small though. You know, it was like, once he cooked it, it was like, you probably too young, you don't remember what a match head looks like, but they used to have Matches and, and they had on the tip of it, they had like a little striker. With I know what. That, come on, I'm not that old. I'm thirty, <laughs> you know, so I'm not. I'm not that young. I thought you you just seen cigarette lighters. Yeah, yeah, no, and no. The I, fire just come out. Yeah. Well, anyway, back then they had matches and and it was about the size of a match head. Wow, that's how small. And that was, uh, I'm I'm not fifty bucks, hundred bucks. So he was smoking it like. Freebase or oh like yeah crack? he was he was cracking it it was already they was okay it was it was when I started it was already people doing crack okay. a little bit uh, uh they would we we didn't call it crack we we never called it crack I mean that was uh East Coast thing I guess or yeah police thing I don't yeah know, I don't know which one did it but we we never called it. we called it Ready Rock okay um and the difference between The main people when I started, they would eat the basin, and you know that's what Richard Pryor was doing when he burned Mm -hmm. himself up. Uh, But there was still a few people that was already adding baking soda and water and heat, cooking it. And Martin was one of those guys. Wow! Who already doing that? So he he wound up sampling that whole piece.
0: Oh man, yeah. Well, I mean, with no money. Yeah. So your first goal was to make like five thousand bucks, right?
1: Yeah, me and my partner together, we just wanted five together. Yeah. we just gonna split five.
0: Yeah, and then you end up getting something like a hundred thousand dollars in cash by what? Twenty years old, twenty something?
1: Yeah, maybe twenty, twenty one. Yeah, and
0: and what is that compared to now? Like this day and age, at a hundred thousand dollars, then what? What do you think that'd be now? Two million?
1: don't oh, no! Well, houses in in L.A. at that time was like fifty thousand. <laughs> Yeah, to buy a house was about fifty grand. So, you figure right now that same house—well, houses is down right now in L.A. Yeah, but a couple years ago that house was probably worth like seven hundred.
0: Yeah. Wow.
1: So, it it probably was seven times what it what it is, Uh, or even more probably.
0: Yeah, that's amazing. So, when you get to the point where you're making good money you know was it just so like enticing like why i mean why would you stop right you're making money
1: well, well what happens with, with with the dope game is the higher up you go the easier it gets right you know at first you know when i first start i'm standing out on the street mm-hmm. um once i got up to ounces i could move in the apartment yeah you know what i'm saying now people come to my apartment and i'm sitting there watching tv and they walk in the house, and I got guys opening the door, and,
2: yeah,
1: you know, they got guns to watch, make sure nobody robbed me, so the job has gotten easy, Yeah, and then when you start getting pounds, you get to the point where you got a guy sitting at the table, and he's serving everybody, and you got another guy answering the door, and, and watching TV, and then you just sitting there, you just eating, entertaining girls. Yeah, and so counting it, it, the
0: money, not even counting the money, somebody else does that.
1: Well, I was still counting the money, but then after that, I I got the girls to count the money because it got to the point to where I didn't have money machines at first. Yeah. So you count a million dollars in a day, you you count a lot of money. You get tired of counting money. You be like, man.
0: Did you ever weigh the money?
1: No. No. I heard about that, but I never tried it. Yeah. Uh, It would be days that I wouldn't sell drugs because I didn't want to. It was easier to sell the drugs than to count the money. Wow. You know, cause you said kilos, they coming in a great you know, Oh, okay, okay. I just hand him ten kilos, and it's done. You yeah. know what I'm saying a bag, but now he comes with two hundred thousand. You got to count it eh, twenty-five, and then some of these dudes will come with one-dollar bills. You know, like yeah. they might bring you six thousand one-dollar bills. So you wow. got to count that. You know, <laughs> so counting money had gotten to be a headache. Yeah. So, so
0: so you had a tire shop, you had a couple other businesses later on, or around this time?
1: Tire shop, motel, beauty salon, uh, phone store, you know, phones, alarms, body shop, junkyard, tennis shoe store. And now you were
0: running the money through the businesses. Is that why you started the businesses, or I I just just wonder, like how? I just
1: just wanted to create jobs for people. Yeah. Um, When I was coming up, I wanted a job. Yeah. I couldn't fill out the application, so I couldn't get a job from McDonald's. Yeah, because you didn't know how to read or write. Couldn't read or write, so they wasn't gonna. They wasn't gonna say, "Oh, well, you can't read or write," but. You're a hard worker, you know they, yeah. they they didn't know that I would be the first one there every morning, you know, and even though I wasn't getting paid, I'd still watch the windows and sweep the sidewalks, and they didn't know I would have did all that, yeah, you know, yeah, I couldn't tell them in the application, you know, I couldn't explain to 'em and and nobody would talk to you verbally, and <clears> so <throat> I couldn't get a shot, you know uh so so Drugs was my first opportunity, you know, right. where I didn't have to fill out an application. Yeah. You know, oh, you got you got 120 uh, bucks, your buddy got 120 bucks, you guys are in the game. Yeah, right. So that, that's how I got started. Right.
0: So what enticed you to keep going? I mean, obviously the money.
1: Uh, different times, you know, different things at different times, you know, having, having goals, you know, uh, one of my goals was that I wanted to get five motels. I built the motel and the motel was doing $5,000 a week. Yeah. I was like, damn, if I had five, I'd be making $25,000 a week. Not bad. Yeah. I might be to quit. And it's (laughs) legit. You know, And it's legit. I'm never going to go to jail. How much did a motel cost you to, to get into? Uh, My motel, I paid, I think 50,000 for the lot. And it cost me about $290 to actually build it.
0: 290,000 or
1: 290,000. Yeah.
0: so it's a pretty big motel then, right? Uh eh, not really. Twenty
1: no. I think twenty two units, twenty two okay. rooms. It was wasn't that big, you know. Yeah. But you know, for for a for a high school dropout, couldn't read or write, you know, uh a couple of years before that, didn't have enough money to buy gas when it was twenty five cent a gallon, you know. Yeah. It wasn't doing too bad. So what was it like doing these big drug deals,
0: right? Because I mean, you're were you still actively involved like all the way up? Every or? deal.
1: Yeah. Every deal I'm near, you know. Uh, I would always negotiate the deals, you know. Uh, I, I had a strategy, how, how I would bring the price down. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I would always put the money in the middle of the floor, you know, pile it up like a coffee table in the middle of the floor and then I would call the, the, the suppliers by, tell them to come by the house. And they would come in the house, and they would see the money sitting there on the floor. And they knew I wanted to buy. I was trying to score. Yeah. And uh, I would start a little bit war, you know. Like, oh, you want it? You, you brought know? somebody else in? I brought three of them. <laughs> and they knew, you know, I tell Dude them. the cocaine I them, auction? I tell them, oh, you know your guy coming by in a little while. And hey, fucker, I ought to kill that motherfucker. How you get your phone number? <laughs> <laughs>
0: That's funny. So, so were you paranoid doing deals all the time or did you feel fearless?
1: Mm. It gives you a gentleman, you know? Yeah. Uh, I can, I can remember one night we were cooking, right? We were cooking about 300 keys and I start cooking like late at night because I knew the cops, the cops had patterns too, you know? Yeah. Like Rating patterns, you know, they like to catch you sleeping, sleep and rate your place. So I said, okay. By six o'clock in the morning, we're gonna be done. Yeah. We do all our cooking from like one, two in the morning to like four, we done. We go put the put the dope up and and, and you know, I used to hide my dope in cars. Yeah. You know, I was like hard to hit a moving target, so uh we would put the dope in cars and, and then we would go rent a room at a at a, at a hotel. Yeah and then park the car in a hotel and, and then just wait till the next day, you know, and then we go get it the next day. Um, so you wouldn't even
0: stay at the hotel? Or no, you wouldn't? we wouldn't yeah. stay there. You
1: yeah, know? We don't want no, no no noise. One person would go in, check in, park the car, and act like they're going to get something to eat, and then we right. go home. Right. Then we come the next morning, park down the street, he jump out, go in, get the car, put it out. And uh, that morning, though, I would have breakfast. Mm-hmm and all the guys would be coming through, putting in their orders. Oh, I want this, I want that, I want that. And I'd be like, okay, go buy, go buy the money spot, drop off the money. And then my girls would count the money. And uh, I had, I got money machines then, so they would count the money And you know, 20, 30 minutes, they would call me. Oh, he dropped off, blah, 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 blah. He, he had all, he had uh, 20,000 worth of ones. Oh, he was short 20,000, because I stopped taking ones. Right. Yeah, I stopped. Too taking- much. Account, too, right? too many ones. Yeah. They 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 start dumping their ones on me, you know. So I stopped taking them. I saw I didn't stop taking them. I stopped counting them. Right. So if they bought me twenty thousand ones, they was twenty thousand short. Yeah. So, <laughs> Charged <laughs> a little tax on it. Yeah, yeah. So uh, <clears throat> by the by the end of the day, I would have my count. You know how many how many how many keys we needed for who, and uh, so I would have my guys put them in duffel bags and. And we were moving like a really, really influential neighborhood. Yeah. You know, where no way nobody's selling coke over there. And then we would just sit there in the van, and my guys would just throw the bags out the car as the guys pulled up.
0: So did you ever worry that like DEA or even like
1: CIA was following you? or, or They couldn't follow me. I, I, would, I would counter-survey. You yeah. Know? Yeah, we not let nobody follow us. Yeah.
0: But I mean, how do you, like, did you recruit People that were former military or something that no, would.
1: No, no my like, guys are all street guys from my neighborhood.
0: But how do you stay so far ahead of like, I mean, maybe it wasn't as advanced then now with the technology we have, but I mean, informants. Nobody had
1: al- telephones. We, we were the only guys with telephones back then. Yeah. So it wasn't no tech. The technology wasn't there. And, and, and you know, these cops were lazy. Yeah. Yeah. They didn't want to do the work. I mean, they could have sit on us, you know you know and really like just sit down and but it it took it would have took a lot of work you know you figure they had two hours to catch me cooking took us about two hours to cook Mm -hmm. then they had 15 minutes to catch us with the dope right in 15 minutes i'm done yeah if you don't catch me exactly in them 15 minutes you're not gonna catch me that day
0: right but what about with informants like if somebody inside one of the girls or one of your one yeah, of your but they, partners, they would or? have to
1: get. I knew all my guys. Yeah, these guys I grew up with had right. never been in trouble. You know, and, and maybe some of them may have been in trouble for gang bang or something, but yeah, you know, but they weren't to the point where they had was no possibility that they were informants. Right, and at that time, nobody in L.A. informed. Yeah, I would say that nobody in L.A. was informants. Yeah, you know. Um, they were sending informants from outside of the state. Later on, that was in like the late eighties. Okay. But it they didn't even know we were having money for a long time. Right. You know, if 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 you watch my documentary, uh one of the guys who was a part of the Freeway Rick Task Force, mm-hmm. uh, he talks about that they kept hearing that all this money was in South Central LA but nobody believed it. Right. So So you weren't flashy or worried. Oh, me, no. Of course yeah. not. Why yeah. would I be flashy? I don't want to put no flag up. I'm a dope dude. Yeah, right. <laughs> you know, like I, I can't believe how today these guys, you know, you know, on the internet and, and, and you know, they advertising that they drug, it was no, no, no. I was totally the opposite. I didn't want people to look at me. Right. I would do things so that people wouldn't be attracted to me. Okay. I didn't want to attract attention. I wanted to be totally the opposite.
0: Yeah. That is crazy. I mean, so, so what is it like having those big amounts of cash? Like what's the most amount of cash you've seen in one spot?
1: 3.2 million. Yeah. I mean, in cash, that's that a was big mine. chunk. Mine. Yeah. How's in that the, feel? Like, what's the, the feeling like? In with the that? 80s. It felt good. You know, like you just figure if your auntie, your cousin or uncle, somebody called and said, Hey, my car just got repoed and you'd be like, go get it. Yeah. You know, it feels good. Or somebody's in jail and you'd be like, bail them out. You know, it just felt good to be able to assist your loved ones,
0: right So let's fast forward a little bit. so so you go to prison, obviously for at first, you had a life sentence without the possibility of parole. what So first off, what led up to you getting arrested and and what did it feel like
1: when that happened? Well, you know, I'd already been to jail. Before I caught this case in San Diego, I caught a, a prior case uh, out of Cincinnati. Try to talk you into the. Sorry. I ca- I caught a prior case out of Cincinnati and um, and Texas. Okay. Um, so you were transporting, or yeah, sending drugs back and forth to to Ohio and Texas. Got it. Um, so when I got out, my foreman had got busted here at the border. Somehow, I don't know all the details. They never told us all the details. But uh, so when I get out, he had turned into an informant. So he was uh, working with DEA to set me up. Right. Um, they did this big documentary on me when I got out on uh, on day one, and it was on Monday night. Came on right after Monday night football, and everybody was. I, I know they got mad. DEA got mad, and so they paid this guy to set me up. Right. And uh, when he was setting us up, you know, just like the ride I just did today, you know, I'm riding up the coast. But this is when I'm coming here, it's more sunset time, you know, so you can see the ocean, the beautiful view. So you got popped
0: in San Diego? Yeah.
1: Oh, I didn't know that. Okay. Uh, National City. Really? Yes. Okay. <laughs> National City, man. We started the deal in Chula Vista, and they had to dope in National City. Uh, at the Montgomery Ward's, I think it was. Wow. Yeah, yeah. So um, it was just a ride up here, you know. And and I was thinking I was looking at life centers. Right. But you know, when I got out, it was kind of, kind of, kind of rough, you know. And and I, I was doing this this old theater, and it was going to be the West Coast of Apollo, and I put a lot of money in it. You know, I put like nine hundred thousand down, and I've been paying the note on it for my whole five-year bid, damn near. $6,000 a month, you know, keeping it up. And um, I was about to lose it. You know, I was like $30,000 behind and on my payments, and um, my informant called me, and he was like, I don't know why you run around asking everybody for help. You ain't never asked nobody for help before. And what I found he was doing is he was playing on my psychic. Mm-hmm. He was prepping me for this setup, you know. um, And then he started offering me drugs. But on the way up here, you know, I'd already thought about what I was facing. right? And I had psyched myself out to the point to where I was saying, fuck it, I'd rather be in jail and out here broke
0: law of attraction
1: exactly
0: so you had already been arrested at this point okay i've been in jail before okay in other states though yeah got it okay sorry i just want to make sure right
1: that's cool cool make it clear
0: yeah so so you come down here did you feel like it was going to happen was there any kind of
1: like uh no it was normal i mean you know he knew how to he knew how to run a run a dope a dope by yeah you know he and him it did enough
0: and was this guy a longtime friend of yours? or yeah, he's
1: my old supplier, Danilo Blandone.
0: Okay, so Blandone's the one that set you up. Yeah, got Blandon it. Blandone's the one that set me up. Okay. And Blandone was your connect in Miami.
1: Miami, LA. But he was from. Cincinnati.
0: Was he Nicaraguan? Mm-hmm. Okay, so. Okay. So you're coming down here, feels like a normal deal, then what?
1: Well, they, they wouldn't do the deal that night. You know, because they didn't want to do it at night. You know, they knew I was going to run, I guess. <laughs> they knew my M.O. I, I ran, too. <laughs> <laughs> uh So they, they they started us off that night. And then the next morning, uh, they called. We got up. We took them the money. Uh, we handed them the money. Uh, they took us to where the drugs were supposed to have been at in the car. They gave me the keys. I threw the keys to Mike. Mike jumped in the car, took off. I jumped in Mike's truck took off. And next thing I know, a plane car tried to block me off. I swerved and went around it. And then when I looked up, the intersection was blocked. The cops, black and whites, had the, the, the intersection blocked off and I knew it was a set up.
0: Yeah. How'd that feel? Like knowing that somebody, uh,
1: yeah. Everything started flashing in my head. My kids, mm-hmm. you know, who would ask me, uh, don't leave no more. You know, they start flashing in my head that, that now I was going to leave them forever. You know, I probably would never see him again. This was 100 kilos. Right. Um, helicopter popped up. Yeah. I knew it was going to be hard to get away. Yeah. Um, it was just, just a setup, man. And then while I'm running, I see Danilo Blandon laughing at me. You know, like, and, and I'm feeling like, dang, I thought this dude was my friend. You right. Know, like, all the stuff we done together, uh, this is how it ended
0: up. And it sounds like you grew up in a very loyal neighborhood, right? People don't rat on each other. People are loyal to each other. Back then,
1: yeah, more so than now.
0: Yeah, but I mean, like, so for somebody who grew up, and and I think loyalty is one of my favorite features of a person. When I have a friend who's loyal to me, I I am almost stupidly loyal like a dog to them. You know, I just feel like that's the right thing to do. So when somebody turns on you, especially, it's not just like over a little bit of money. This is your life you're talking about. It's got to feel...
1: And then I was still naive, even when I was sitting in prison, I was like, oh, he ain't gonna show up to court.
2: Yeah.
1: He was just trying to get out of jail. And then, uh, even Gary didn't think he was gonna show up. You know, Gary Webb, who broke yep. the story. Gary was like, ah, oh, he ain't showing up to court. And I was like, Gary, if he don't show up to court, I walk. Yeah. Gary was like, oh no, he got too much luggage. They don't want him to talk. And, um, Who's I, they? He was saying that the, the government didn't want him to talk. Yeah. And then when I walked out, they never made me a deal either. You know, we tried to plead guilty twenty years. You know, yeah. I, I'll take twenty. <laughs> yeah, well, it's federal stuff, right? So they yeah, yeah. They convict. We already know they're gonna convict. Yeah. And and you know, with my case, you know, my 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 uh, my jury instructions was entrapment. Mm-hmm. You know, which is ah, uh, oh, you. you you done told the LA Times you love selling drugs and now you're gonna say you entrapped. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> yeah, good luck. You know, kind of like what Keefy D got itself into. You yeah,
0: know? yeah, well Keefy D told everybody what he did without telling them, right? I mean, you went on Vlad, he also went on Vlad and and told on himself, yeah, you
1: know? I, I went to the LA Times though. Yeah, This yeah. is before Vlad. Right, <laughs> that's funny. Oh,
0: so you said, okay, yeah, yeah. No,
1: I said to the LA Times, when I got out the first time, L.A. Times interviewed me. Yeah, and that's what uh, you know. L.A. Times went against Gary's story. Yeah, in, in this article, L.A. Times said that I was the McDonald's or the Walmart a crack. Yeah, and well,
0: well at some point, you were doing more sales than Walmart
1: was, that's right? What my, that's what my lawyer said. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my lawyer said that. Uh, so, so when Gary broke the story, you know, LA times went against him and they were saying, Oh, Rick, wasn't that big of a deal, you know, nah, 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 whatever, you know? So
0: Gary, Gary Webb was a, an investigative journalist. Can you talk about your, your friendship and relationship with Gary Webb? Uh, yeah, first
1: time I met Gary was right, right down the street here in San Diego. He yeah. came, uh, I spoke to him on the phone, you know, and, um, uh, He asked me if I would be willing to uh, assist in his investigation. And my lawyer was a little skeptical. You know, you know how lawyers are. Yeah. We don't know about that. And I was like, shit, I ain't got nothing to lose. Yeah. They're giving me a life sentence. Right. I I had already became to the realization that that I was going to get a life sentence. Yeah. Law of attraction. (laughs) Again. Yeah. So uh, I had no problem with talking to Gary. You know, I didn't. I didn't feel I had anything to lose, and uh, I knew that the lawyers in the case were all pushing for me to get on the witness stand and and lie for Mike. Yeah. To let, to let Mike go, um, which was probably something I did wrong because when they pulled the juries, the jury said one of the things that they didn't like the most about me is that I didn't tell Mike I was taking him to a dope deal. Right. and and mike is the guy that started me selling dope
0: right crazy
1: yeah but i had a loyalty to him mike still yeah he was still the guy who all the stuff that i had experienced in life even though i was here at the end of this of this rainbow yeah he was still the guy who had exposed me to all the wonderful things that that i had experienced in my life you know being able to build motels and you know and drive benzes and go on ski trips and have speed boats and have multiple girlfriends at the same time and you know have four kids that's born in the same year all that came because of what he introduced me to right had he not introduced me to that i don't feel that i would have enjoyed that aspect of my life
0: now, did you? Now, you had all these things that everybody wants, right? Did those things make you happy? The toys, the money, the houses, the freedom. I've
1: always been happy, mm. even when I was poor.
0: Did it? Did it get magnified when money came? Right? Like they say, if you're an asshole when you're poor, you're going to be an asshole when you're rich.
1: I, I, I think money for me, money is more of a tool to. and and, and don't get it wrong i understand that here in america with no money you don't eat right you know you you don't have a a roof to sleep in if you don't have no money you sleep on the street yeah so so I, i i get that point but i'm saying after you have those essential things then what do you do with the money right well me i believe that i was supposed to help other people accomplish their dreams just like I wish that somebody would have came along and helped me accomplish my dreams. Right. So my goal was more so to create jobs for yeah. for people who didn't have uh, the ability to fill out an application. Yeah. But maybe just maybe was a hard worker. Right. Like myself. Yeah. And whenever I recruited drug dealers, those are the kind of drug dealers that I look for.
0: Right. People who are smart, who are looking for guidance too. Right?
1: Yes. And and I learned, you know, I, I started teaching, you know, uh, uh, my early my early crew that I started. I didn't really teach them about not using. Right. But I learned later on, one of the first steps is to teach them not to, to use the drug. Right.
0: Yeah. I mean, one of the Ten Crack Commandments, right?
1: Yeah. <laughs>
0: Never get high on your own supply?
1: I did hear that before.
0: Yeah. So, um... So from, from going from the biggest drug dealer in the country, I mean, making millions and, and I mean, it may have felt like you were, it was endless, right? To it, to it ending and you going with a life before, you know, life before your eyes, right? Like you have life in prison without the possibility of parole. You're looking back at your kids. You're looking back at your life, instant regret. or, Or what did it feel like? Uh, you
1: know, uh. I guess Jesse could describe me better than I could describe myself. You yeah. Because he was looking from the outside, and he said that I was, uh, I felt pitiful. You know, and, and in the beginning, yeah, in, in the beginning, <laughs> and, and I probably did have some, you know, some some sorrow for myself, and uh, feeling that. Uh, because I felt I felt the government fucked me over from the beginning, without the CIA stuff, before even yeah. the CIA stuff even took place. What you gotta look at is that when I came home from prison, I had no intention on selling drugs. Right. My intention was Suge Knight bill death row, I can do the same thing.
2: Yeah.
1: I had the theater that was going to be the West coast of Apollo and the theater. Here held like 4,500 people. So my mind was, this is going to be the stage that every rapper that comes to LA going to get on this stage. Right. And that was my, that was my goal. And, and drugs was not in the equation. You know, I was like, Oh no, I ain't messing with no drugs, but I do understand that I had never totally ruled out drugs. Right. You know, it was still like, Oh, if my son needed surgery, yeah i'm gonna go get that money well
0: it's the thing you know
1: right i mean this is where
0: this is your foundation
1: it was my crutch yeah mm. if things weren't going right i'm gonna sell some drugs right <laughs> <laughs> make it a little better so uh for them to come and start dangling drugs in my face i felt was a violation of my parole
0: when you say them who
1: the government, right? DEA, CIA. Uh, well, they. It, it could have been the CIA. I, I, DEA was the representative of, yeah, right. DEA, uh, immigration. Yep. They were the representative of what was taking place to me. Right. You know, they were the ones who told Danilo Blandon, "Go get him." And I just felt that when you you know when 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 a person gets out of prison. And he's been gone for a while. He's vulnerable. Yeah. You know, easily persuaded. Because you don't have no money. You know, things not like it was. You've been gone. Yep. Girlfriends, nephew, friends. So you're trying to put your life back on track. Mm-hmm. For somebody to come and deliberately try to take you off track, I think should be a violation. Right. They should be encouraging you to go straight. And I was going straight, but they kept dangling that thing that they know, you know, twick my my fancy, you know, like. Well, CIA
0: agents, and I mean the government, you know, but specifically CIA agents are taught and trained to look for vulnerabilities in the people they want to manipulate. Absolutely. Do you think that's what happened to you? I mean, do you think oh, Landon was... Oh, they knew
1: my profile. Yeah. Yeah, they had my profile. I mean, you know, you got the guy that 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 I dealt with every day. Yeah. You got him. So he can give you information where you can come up with the profile. Right. So they knew what, you know, was going to... because they start off, you know, oh, we're him to you for 17. Nope. We're getting to you for 15. Nope. We give him to you for 12. Nope. We give you to you for 11. Nope. Kilos? We, yeah. We give him to you for 9.5. What? 9.5. <laughs> <laughs>
0: At some point, did it seem too good to be true or no? Not for him. We, we did it before.
2: Yeah.
1: And that's what the judge went by to not give me sentence entrapment because technically it was sentence entrapment as well. Because my crime, he only had $180,000, and they was giving us a million dollars worth of dope. Mm. So, Where's the money? uh, So really, the the government, um, and agents manipulate sentences by giving credit. Right. You know, oh, he came by with two kilos, but we're going to give him 10 on credit. Right. So now you're looking more time. So
0: do you think that the CIA is responsible for the crack, you know, everything that happened with crack cocaine?
1: Uh, wow. Good question.
0: Well, I mean, with the whole Iran-Contra thing, Barry Seal, all that stuff. Yeah, still, I mean, you
1: know, I don't know. I'm, they say that they knew that their agents were selling drugs, you know, but... Uh, I mean, are they responsible? I'm, I'm not the guy to answer that question. I'm, I mean, I couldn't... You know, I, I couldn't say. Gary Webb thought they were, you know.
0: Well, and Gary Webb ended up supposedly committing suicide in 2004, right?
1: 2004. Yeah. Shot himself twice. Yeah. So in the head.
0: How do you do that, right? I mean, I mean, it can be. Po- I mean, I'm not saying it's impossible.
1: People ask me that all the time, you know, and, and you know, my answer is always the same. I didn't see the autopsy. You know, I I don't have any evidence. Yeah. So when I don't have evidence, it's hard for me to speak on it. You of course, know, it would only be a theory. Uh, they had a coroner that said it was possible, you know, for a guy to to shoot himself in the head twice. Um, but I guess the jury's gonna be out for that, you know, you know, on the, on that issue. You know, uh, Gary's wife said she found suicide notes, you know, where where he he, he thought about doing suicide. So. Mm-hmm. I just don't know you know i i never thought you know last time i talked to gary he didn't sound suicidal you know um he was talking about pushing on that he had new evidence and you know um there was different areas that he thought he was going to go with the story you know he thought that he could 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 go even further so um it's a good question man i mean the world's been wrestling with that since since it happened, you know. Yeah. Uh what happened to Gary Webb?
0: Well, I mean, you know, you come out with a big story that might compromise the CIA, it's pretty pretty easy for them to just make somebody, you know, disappear. I don't know if you know, I don't know if
1: Americans have the backbone, you know, to to compromise the CIA or to compromise uh the government, you know, to mm-hmm. to put the government in check, you know, cause, Sometimes you know we got it gets out of control and and you have to you have to wind it back in and and I just don't know if if we've gotten there. I mean we 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 come a long ways, you know. Yeah. Um, now I remember the day I got off parole. My boy took me to a weed conference in San Bernardino, and I was like, "What the fuck? They got you know jars of weed sitting on the table, and the police was walking by, and yeah. I was like, "What is going on here?" Yeah. <laughs> You know, so uh, I mean, we 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 get we're getting more sensible. You know, uh, now drug dealers don't get life sentences for selling drugs. You know, yeah. less and it's, it's murder involved. Right. Um, so I mean, I mean, we made some improvements, but I don't think that that we have um, we're nowhere near the point we need to be. Yeah. So.
0: How did you teach yourself how to read in prison? I mean, your motivation was to get out and see your family again, right? Yes. So what led you? I mean, obviously your motivation is now, well, how do I get out? Well, I got to read.
1: Uh, law of attraction. Yeah. I thought my way in. I'm going to thank my way out. <laughs> my cellie my made me some cue cards, you know, and I, I started with, uh, with the cue cards. And, and uh, he taught me how to sign my letters out. And next thing you know, uh I was reading a newspaper. Wow. And then law books. And then I fell in love with reading, you know, I became an advocate reader. Uh once once I understood how valuable reading was, that, that reading was almost a, a cheat code, you know. Yeah. Um you can you can read a book in three or four days that it took somebody thirty years to live. Yeah. So you get all that experience in three or four days and, and I was like wow this is like cheating (laughs) yeah you shouldn't have gave me this so um i became an arrogant reader i wanted to cheat you know i I didn't mind cheating i just want to win yeah yeah
0: (laughs) so how long did it take you to get you know to uh, enough to be able to read law books because law books aren't necessarily kindergarten it wasn't
1: long i'm talking about months really yeah wow well, 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 one of the things I found out about reading is it's probably easier for an adult to learn how to read than a kid. Yeah. Because an adult already has a vocabulary. Yep. And once you get the word, like I could read a sentence and I might not know a word in there, but I could understand the meaning of that word yeah. after I read the sentence. So that would be something that would be hard for a kid to do. And my comprehension level was really good. Yeah. Uh, the last test I took, uh, my comprehension level was on a college level. Mm-hmm. So so I really understood what I read. Right. You know. Right. And um, I, I just stayed on it, you know. I I started reading like I saw dope, you know, all day, yeah. every day. You know yeah. that was my favorite pastime. Right. You know, I stopped playing chess, um, uh, stopped watching T V at all. Uh all I would do is go to the library and stay in my room and read, you know. And, what i found out that the more you read the better you get at it Mm -hmm. like like tennis
0: yeah well like like how superfly made you feel uh like that black man had spoken to the police in a down you know spoken down to them that was the first time you saw that was getting out of prison your way of that same feeling of feeling like you're going you're you're giving it to
1: the system oh absolutely absolutely Uh, uh yeah, that's something you, you 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 mentioned that, right? Um one day we were in court and they had a special hearing because I was in there writing my book. Yeah. And so, you know, the cops in the jail in M D C would whatever you doing, they would always report it to the to the government and so they reported, Oh, he's over there writing a book <laughs> mm-hmm. So we go to court and the, the guy wants to put the Son of Sound Law on me. Uh, Your Honor mr ross is over there he's trying to get rich again and and he's over there writing a book at at mcc so um i saw how it hurt them for 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 me to become successful yeah so i was like oh yeah yeah i got it now i'm gonna read every book i can get my hand on i'm gonna get as smart as i can because this is going to hurt him. Yeah. Like, right now, I know, I know that L.J. O'Neal is somewhere pouting <laughs> about the life that I'm living right now. Yeah. He, he cannot stand it. Right. Um, he called me liars in court. He, he tried to say, tell the judge that I made all this up. Right. I talked Gary Webb into doing this story, and 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 Gary's like, how could he... Do these papers? You yeah. know, like, yeah. How could he do that? <laughs> right. You know, you talking about a kid, a guy couldn't read. You know, like, and now he done created all these papers. Is in 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 a uh, what is it called? Uh, you know where they keep all the papers when yeah they had to get them unsealed and all that stuff. You know. Yeah. So so Gary hit him hard with that one. Like right. How could he create? How could he create this story? Yeah. So, uh, and and they felt better discrediting me than discrediting Gary. You know, right. Gary was a little harder to discredit. Well, you're, you're already like, well,
0: yeah. you know, you're in jail. I'm so in jail. That, I'm, a, yeah.
1: I'm a convict. I'm right. a lying convict. Like, because you sold drugs, you're also a liar. Yeah. Like, you can be a drug dealer without being a liar. Right. You know, that don't mean because you sold drugs, you're a liar, you know. like. Yeah. Come on, man. So
0: so what, what was it that you, what made you go from having that life sentence without the possibility of parole to being able to walk after 12, 20
1: years? There was a case that I found, and it says that you cannot become a career criminal in one day. You know, say, for instance, I, I never saw Breaking Bad, but I heard about it, right? Yeah. <laughs> and they said this guy's son needed a surgery or something, and, and and he knew what a dope track was, and he goes out. So, say, for instance, in, in LA, we had dope tracks that would make a hundred thousand dollars one day. You you could literally go out there and and if you could dominate the the sales, you could make the whole hundred thousand. Right. Right. But in order to make a hundred thousand dollars, you got to make a lot of different sales to a lot of different people. Right. Well, you know, each one of those are different sales. Right. So technically the way they were trying to do the law, you could have been a career criminal, 50 times over because you sold to 50 people. Right. So you sold 50 different sales. Those are 50 different cases technically. Yep. Usually what they do is they run all those sales together. And And they run the weight, right? Combined weight or. Yeah. In the feds they do. Yeah. In the feds they do. So when I looked at it, I was like, wow. The important part of this is not how many sales he made but when did he get arrested and how many times he got arrested? Right. So say so for instance, if, if you are out there and, and, you, and you're making all those sales and the cops never arrest you and then they come the next day and they arrest you and they say, Oh, you saw, we saw you sell to 50 different people, blah, blah, blah. You got Mark money and the whole nine yards take you to jail just one time. Right. In order for it to be a second time, you have to, until they let you out of jail, you have to go back out there and do it again. Right. And if you sold 50 times or 100 times again, it's still just another time. It's right. Too. In my case, <clears throat> my one day went for eight years. Right. It wasn't one day. It was eight-year run. But I had never been arrested.
0: So they only had you for the one deal.
1: They only had me for the one deal. Ah. But they said since I did it in different states and mm-hmm. I had cases in different states that that made it different because I was crossing state line. But I was like, we talking about the feds. How can it be, you know? So so that's basically how one is called a continuous criminal spree. You know, like yeah. you're having a spree where you're never... Yeah, you're binging. <laughs> yeah, you've never been brought to your senses. You know, it's, it's like, you know, a guy who's smoking and he just keeps smoking, keeps smoking, keeps smoking, and he never quit. Yeah. And yeah, so... Uh, that's, that's how I beat the case.
0: So you, you get out of prison after 20 years, 2009?
1: Yeah, 2009.
0: How did that feel? Like the day you get out and, and how long before you got out, did you know you were getting out?
1: About nine years. Okay.
0: Wow. So 2000. So how did it feel when you got out?
1: Like Superman. Yeah. Like Like Led. Superfly. Yeah. Bigger <laughs> than Superfly. I'd already did Superfly. Yeah. I passed Superfly. Yeah. Oh, I passed yeah. him. You know, Superfly was playing with like three kilos or three pounds or something. Yeah. I was having hundreds of kilos. Right. So I passed Superfly already. And Scarface, you know, my other hero. I yeah. Like, I liked Scarface too. Yeah. Uh, But I had passed both of those. So now my goal was to pass my new heroes.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: The, the new guys that I mapped out to be my targets, you know. Uh, like who? No. Don King was one
0: Escobar was Escobar dead at you know no he
1: wasn't dead then yeah yeah he was dead when I got out no when I you got out but I didn't want to go back into cocaine I'd already
0: no died. no I mean but when you were when you were in it, did you want to get to the i mean I you didn't, were I didn't know who there.
1: Co- I know who Escobar was when I was when I okay. was when I was in the
0: streets wow he probably knew who you were
1: probably did <laughs> it's
0: crazy to think about
1: but I, I set new goals, you know, uh, my first book I ever read was Malcolm X. Really? And when I read that book, I saw myself, I mean, we had so many similar, so many things that were similar. You know, he couldn't read till he went to prison. You know, he learned how to read in prison yep. and in his book, one of the things that he said is if they put you in prison, learn how to read and write and I took that to heart. And then I saw like, oh, you can be bigger than Malcolm. Right and the other guy that that um les brown and uh lewis farrakhan yeah those are the guys that that i said i would like to be like these guys yeah you know um uh, i know a lot of people don't like farrakhan but he told me some things from watching those videotapes that i watch that really helped me out a lot you know uh he told me to study them. Mm-hmm. One day I'm in, the, I'm in there. I didn't want to go watch Fair. I never heard of Fair kind. Yeah. I didn't want to go watch him. I didn't want no Christian stuff. I didn't, <laughs> I didn't want none of that. Ah, that God stuff. Yeah. Take that to yourself. But Les Brown? I started doing Les a little
0: later. Okay. Even later than them.
1: Yeah. Uh, I just wanted to play basketball and lift weights. Yeah. You know? This is my first bit. The first time I did my bit, I just want to play basketball, lift weights. You know? yeah. I'm to come out swole. I'm getting this rap game. You know, I found the Alcoholics while I was in prison. Uh huh. The group, the Alcoholics. You ever heard of them? Like uh, Alcoholics Anonymous? No, it's a group, a rap group. Was oh big. no, I don't know. It's a big rap group. Yeah, they. My understanding is that they the ones who found Wu Tang. Okay you know, somebody from Wu Tang gave them a tape while they was on tour and they brought it back to Steve Riskins and that's how Wu Tang got signed. Wow. But they were pretty big. They right. were the first gold artists on, uh, on Lao records. Okay. So, uh, I found them from prison. Right. And uh, really was the reason they got signed with, uh, with Lyle cause I hooked them up with Fabian Right. who Fabian was the vice president at Lyle music. Wow. And Fabian was going to quit Lyle and come and run free records. Because, like I said, I was at M- MDC when they started Death Row. Right. So I saw what they did, and I said, I can do the same thing.
0: Yeah. It's funny. Now Suge's down in, uh, at Donovan.
1: <laughs> Man, Suge. I like Suge, too. Really? Yeah, yeah. Suge tried to help me when I got out. Yeah. You know. Um, yeah, I heard that, actually. No, he did. He did. He did. He shook, shook, reached his hand out. Um, I didn't receive it the way I should have. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Let I me mean, say that there. I slipped on that. Had I had yeah, but I, maybe maybe you would have been, been wrapped game, up on something else. You know. Nah, nah, I no. I would have probably stirred him away. Yeah. I probably really. kept him on under- the. Yeah, you know. Sometimes you need that 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 voice of reason. Yeah. You know when you got, you know. I mean, I know he wanted to be with the gangsters and stuff, but yeah. He still had a lot of respect for for my wisdom. Right. So I don't know. Anyway, but I, I feel that had I um, stayed closer to Shug, you know, I would have had a, a definitely an impact on his life. Right. Uh, and and it probably would have been different than what what it what it what it wound up turning out to be. Right. Uh, but uh, what was we saying? Uh, I lost my train of thought. It's all right. We was talking about how I felt, right,
0: yeah, so when you when you got out right you fe- you said you feel like Superman,
1: yeah I done read three hundred books, yeah, study Sam Walton, study Nike, Bill Gates, the guys who found Google, right, you know what I'm saying, I' done read articles of I knew when Facebook only had twenty some thousand followers, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I never saw a computer, but I read the articles in the newspapers. You know, I used to read the, the L.A. Times, Wall Street Journal. I read those every day. Yeah. Um, USAA. So uh, I knew what was going on, even though I didn't know what was going on. You know, I, yeah. I had an idea. So when, when I got out, I was I was armed with all of this knowledge. Yeah. I understood how I made a million dollars a day selling cocaine. Right. Like, I get it. I know. First, it was luck. Yep. When I did it, it was luck. It was just pure tennis luck. You know, I'm yeah. I'm oh, keep hitting the backhand. You you you're hitting it <laughs> wrong. Do it over again. Correct it, correct it. That's what I use in the dope game. Yep. You know, you see something wrong, oh that guy there, he did that right. Do it just like that. Trial and error. Yes. When I got out of prison, I understood what I needed to do. Right to accomplish whatever goal I wanted to accomplish, and I felt that there was no, um, there was no cap on what I could do, mm-hmm. and I still feel like that. There's right now, no today. cap.
0: I mean, and the cool thing is, you've been an entrepreneur
1: this whole time. Oh yeah, I've been an entrepreneur since I was who knee high to a grasshopper. Yeah, you know, I used to go and collect my neighbor's uh, bottles. When the liquor stores, you pay five cents a bottle and I would collect their bottles and then take them to the store and come back and split the money with them. So, so I already understood entrepreneurship. I understood, uh, um, organizing. Uh, but then, you know, once I read think and grow rich and it taught me about the mastermind group. Now I know about putting a group of people together who Pacific, whose specific job is to help you accomplish your goals.
0: Yeah. So let's talk about the mastermind because law of attraction and think and grow rich is very important. It's why I have my vision board right there. And, uh, I'm constantly having to take things down and put new things back up on there because they keep happening. You know, I, this office an office, just like this was on my vision board for a long time and it happened, you know, just, just like the music plants seeds in your subconscious mind. I've noticed that, you know, a vision board or, or visualization. Plants those same same kind thing. Of I was seeds. just telling
1: you about Tupac. Yeah, right. He manifested. He manifested. His, his wanting to play the role so well turned into his real life. Yeah. You know, same thing with me. Me wanting to be Superfly so bad, I became Superfly. Yeah. I became him in real life. So, uh, you know, Mama always say, "Be careful what you ask for, because you might get it." Yeah. <laughs>
0: Do you believe that anything that you can have in your mind, you can hold in your hand?
1: Pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. If, I mean, if you're willing to, to, because it's it's different between, you know, some people just want something and then some people like really want it. Like I'll stake my life on this. Yep. You know, like when, when, when I saw drug, I was willing to die Yeah. or kill yeah you know, I put on a bulletproof vest yeah I wake up some morning I put my vest on my pistol and be like man if it go down today it go down yeah you know just how it is right you know somebody run up trying to take my shit I'm gonna kill them yeah if the cops come up wrong they're gonna get it too yeah if I go to prison today that's part of the game yeah. And what I understood is I was so cold and not only did I put myself on the line, but I started putting my other family members on the line as well because, and my friends, who I recruited to come into this lifestyle that was dangerous for everybody. Yeah. And I brought people in that I genuinely love. You know, uh, even, even my little sister, she was about 17 years old and she kept getting in trouble out here. And, you know, I told my mom, put her on the plane, send her down here to me. Right. In Cincinnati. And then she came down there and started selling dope with me. Yeah. You know, she didn't get in trouble no more, but it still put her in the line of 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 that fire that, you know, that Tupac put itself in.
0: Yeah. Right. Hmm. Manifested the downfall. Now, when you look back, do you regret it?
1: Mm, no regrets. I, I, I used to... You know, people used to ask me that all the time, and and I didn't really know what to say. And uh, I did an interview with this girl out of Chicago, out of the Chicago Tribune, I think it was. Yeah. And young girl too. And the title of her her story was "No Regrets, Only Lessons." Mm-hmm. And I learned from my life. You know, I I I, I benefited from it. You know, even jail. You know, I benefited from jail. No way I could accomplish the things that I accomplished in jail if I would have been on the street. You know? Right. Nobody would have got me to sit down and read "Think and Grow Rich" and "The Richest Man in Babylon" and "As a Man Think" and "Millionaire Next Door" and "Who My Cheese" and you know, uh, from good to great. You know, they couldn't have did it. You know, right. it wouldn't have happened. You know, I wouldn't have read the Wall Street Journal every day. I wouldn't have read the one. Wa- so, so when i look back at my life and and and, and if you have regrets that means that you don't really like who you are today yeah so if you like who you are today then you can't have regrets because everything that you've done got you to the point to where you're sitting at right now right it, it's funny that
0: you say that because so i'm 7 years sober right i struggled with alcohol i got myself in a lot of shit before i got sober and i wanted to be I mean, I manifested a, a reality that, that I thought I wanted, and I didn't. But when people ask me about getting sober, and they're like, man, you must really regret it. It's like, well, I'm here, and I'm living the life that I always wanted to, and I wouldn't be here without getting sober, and without dealing with all the shit that I dealt with, that I brought on myself... Right, you know, so right. so no, I mean, I I think we share that. I don't regret any of it.
1: No, you can't, because you won't. You won't. If you regret it, then you don't. You don't like who you are today.
0: Yeah, I feel bad for some of it. There's some things that I wish I didn't make other people feel a certain way, but you know, sometimes I think that this life is like a simulation, and we're all here to teach each other's le- lessons. You yeah. know, and when somebody does you wrong, it's it's for a reason. You know, and I think it all balances out at the end. Well, you, uh,
1: you know, I look at it like. We're all in a dream. Yeah. And this is my dream. Yeah. And you have your dreams. He has his dreams. And whatever he dreams, that's what it is. Yeah. Whatever role I play in his dream, that's the role I was supposed to play. And right. whatever role he plays in mine, that was the role that he was supposed to play. Now how I deal with his role is a whole nother story. Right you know so that that's that's kind of how i look at the whole um the whole scenario
0: yeah so let's talk about law of attraction for a little bit i we kind of skimmed the surface but what what how, how would you if you were to tell your your 15-year-old self about law of attraction what would you say how would you describe it how would you harness it
1: dream big so all you got to do is dream big you know uh, one of the things that um uh, that really sads me right now is, um, uh, black people, inability to dream, inability to see themselves in a different light, you know, other than this gangster mentality that, and, and I, I, I helped create it, you know, I right. Okay. I helped create a lot of this stuff that, that we're doing right now. Um, but we have to get the ability back to be able to dream, and and see ourselves, um, other than a crip, of blood, a whore, a dope dealer, you know, a rapper. I mean, it's more important than all of those. You know, uh, this life that we're living is is just is just so beautiful, and there's so many things to to offer. That you can't limit yourself to just being uh, pegged in one hole, right? Or two.
0: Well, I love that you said "dream bigger" because the podcast is called "Thinking Bigger." Yeah, you know? uh, <laughs> I mean that's the that's the whole concept of it. Is I think that people we put ourselves in these boxes, and it and it has to do with our programming, right? Like you oh, absolutely. were a, you would you say that you were a product of your environment? Oh, absolutely. I think everybody is, but I think we can all change that. And it's funny because you started to get a different perspective on life when you started reading, right? Oh, for sure. Was that really the thing that shifted?
1: Well, well, first, tennis gave me a different perspective. You know, I got to see things because, you know, I I wondered, you know, why my brothers don't have the same drive I got? Mm -hmm. You know, we grew up in the same house. We ate the same food. But they didn't have the same perspective. Perspective of life that I did, you know. When I was a kid, I got to go to Beverly Hills, you know, and see people with tennis courts in their backyard. Right. You know, I got to go to country clubs that they didn't allow blacks to come in at all. Yep. You know, was no black members. So the only way you come there is if you come there for a tournament or something, you know, was going on like that. So I got to see those things at a young age. You know, I had people bring me home in a Rolls Royce convertible and. Seventy four, you know, wow. you know what I'm saying. So uh, it gave me a different perspective right there, and then reading took me to a whole another perspective. where I found out that you know Jeff Bezos started in a garage, you yeah. know, in his mom's and dad' garage selling books, you know, and blossomed into being Amazon. And uh, uh, Zuckerberg stole these guy's idea, you know, and yeah. and, and turning it. Into, Facebook and yeah. and uh uh Friendster saw that um no Friendster was first MySpace Yeah saw that Friendster couldn't figure out how to build a server big enough to keep I forgot her name but she was the first person on Friendster and she also was the first person on on MySpace Really Yes. And they figured out how to keep the, the 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 servers up and they brought her to MySpace and then she blew MySpace up. Yeah. And you know so 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 Reading gave me that. Right. You know, Reading gave me that knowledge, you know, how uh uh Nike, you know, and you know some of the stories might be told might not be totally accurate, but you know reading his book, they talk about how he didn't sit down to start nike you know he got lucky and went over to, to china and saw some tennis shoes that looked like adidas and, and and brought them back and and next thing you know he's selling tennis shoes yeah out the trunk of his car you know and, and next thing you know nike because he had to wear with to say oh adidas them don't believe in paying athletes to wear their shoes yep. you know they thought it was unethical. Right, the pair athlete, and he didn't think so, so he put him under contract, so you know when when you start to see these type of things and 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 they give you ideas, you know, like, yeah, oh, that's how it was, you know, so um and then I saw all of the opportunities that I had that I passed up, you know, like uh one day I'm sitting in my house and I'm smoking a joint, and my boy called me, and he was like, "Hey, Quincy Jones, and Michael Jackson want you to come to the studio, wow. And I'm like, tell them to come over here. (laughs) 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 Did they? No. No. Damn. And then uh, I'm sitting there with Otis Smith, and Otis Smith is the guy who finally needed a baker. So I'm saying I had all these opportunities, and I didn't know – when I go meet Dr. Dre, when I get out of jail, one time I went to an apartment, and DJ Pooh take me over to this apartment, and Dre said he was at that apartment, you know. So I'm seeing that I had all these opportunities, but I didn't capitalize on them. Right. You know, things that would have kept me out of the dope game, which what I was looking for. Right. You know, that's so why I built the motel. That's why I was building houses. Yeah. To keep myself out of the dope game. Uh, but I learned from these books that you have to be, even more open-minded than just what everybody else tell you you should be doing. People told me, Oh, you should do real estate. Yeah. So that's why I did real estate. <laughs> you know, my girl wanted a beauty sign. So that's why I got a beauty sign. Yeah. I like tires and wheels on cars. So I bought a tire and wheel shop, you know, that kind of stuff, you know, you gotta, you gotta kind of be innovating your mind, you know, filling your mind, letting your mind go out mm-hmm. into the universe and, and, and and meeting other people and and, and getting their ideas right,
0: know? and the mastermind principle, which you said you learned from Think and Grow Rich, has that made an impact on your life?
1: Oh, absolutely, yeah. How so? I got about nineteen thousand members in my in my mastermind group right now. That's uh, amazing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I got a pretty big mastermind group.
0: Nice. Well, where can people learn more about the mastermind?
1: Uh, I would say, I would say, well, well, you know, I, I got a, a, a millionaire club. I started a millionaires club where, um, uh, my goal is to take all of these people to join my millionaire club and I'm going to make a millionaires. Right. Uh, it's, it's been a little tough to do. You know, I haven't, I haven't really given them the time that that I plan on giving them, you know, because first I had to get myself, uh, 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 Planet, you know, uh, even even since I've been out of jail, you know, I, um, you know, TMZ hit me up a couple couple of days ago. I was coming from France about uh, Tory Lane. Yeah. You know, when 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 I first got out, Tory Lane might have been like seventeen years old, and yeah, and I was going to all of these little uh, uh, shows, and Tory Lane was there. You know? Yeah. And he was like, "Man, you ought to work with me, Rick." <laughs> you know, a little bitty kid kid. I'm like, yeah. "Kid, get out of here." Yeah. But at that time, I wasn't settled to yep. where I could. To deal with an artist, you know, um, and I didn't know if he was talented. I, I didn't. Yeah. I, I didn't have that. You know, I didn't have that to know what I know now about. You know, because I'm dropping my. I'm getting ready to drop my my first artist. I got to deal with Universal Music Group now, so I'm finna drop an artist Friday. Friday we drop, we really, yeah, yeah, juice the Mac. It really? drop Friday, okay, uh we're, we're going to Detroit, we're gonna be dropping there, it's gonna be a pretty big party, and, and uh so so, so you know, it just it taught me to keep, keep an keep open mind you know and and surround yourself with people that can help your mind expand, you know if if you get around people and they, oh, you can't do that, you know, which is what most of your friends are gonna say, if, yeah. If, if they don't know where they're going, they're gonna talk you out of trying to go in anywhere like, right just stay with us <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> so uh Mastermind group has been has been has been has been wonderful for me uh um you know so many of those principles in those books you know, like saving ten percent of everything you earn, mm-hmm. you know and when I looked at it in the dope gang, you know I put almost- almost all my money back, you know yeah. I-, I lived off of the ones right you know i mean i got so many one dollar bills i couldn't spend them yeah so uh when when you look at those type of principles you know you'd be like wow you know just what is it that i can't do all i have to do was know what i want to do right and a lot of times people don't know what they want to do i mean you ask most people what is it you want to do and they won't they, they they can't tell you
0: yeah right and they haven't had the time to think about it which is so weird because we're living in this life of the the rat race on a hamster wheel where we're just going yeah but going yeah.
1: where nowhere yeah and you can live out here you know i ain't, a, I ain't had a job since i've been out of prison yeah yeah i just like my jesse i live off the fat of the land <laughs> 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 that's what she told me when i went to court oh you live off the fat of the land you've yeah. been out here living off the fat of the land I mean, i'm still living off the fat of the land and, yeah. and um uh, you know life has been good for me you know i'm i'm i'm, I'm excited uh I pulled my director and my producer back together yesterday. You know, we had a, a little little thing about the movie. We were supposed to start pre-production this summer, and I pulled that back together. Uh, my two babies are playing great tennis. My daughter is so, oh, she's so good. Yeah. Yeah, but she, she she's wrestling with, she's only 11. Really? Yeah, and yeah. she's wrestling with, I don't want to be good. You know, I don't wanna be good in tennis. That's what daddy wants me to do. Yeah, yeah. So uh uh but to see her hit a tennis ball, you know, like it lets me know. You know, Richard Williams did it, you know, he everybody laughed at him. Because, you know, I, I knew Venus and Serena when they was coming up too. You yeah. Know what I mean when they first started. Yeah. And their dad used to say that they were gonna be number one and two in the world. Yeah. And
0: Man, that Nike commercial <laughs> with them and their dad, do you know which one I'm talking about? I didn't see it. I don't oh. really
1: I don't really watch T V. Man, maybe you know, we'll
0: do a clip with that Nike commercial because that was... I'll, I'll send it to you. It's uh You it's know,
1: a one. Uh, one of my teachers told me that... Because um, I read books on writing movie scripts and books and all that. You know, that's how my book is self-published. Yeah. I self-published my book. So one of the things that they told me is that you can't be watching other people's stories and coming up with your own story. Mm. So right now I'm coming up with my own story and... Um, I don't really have time to watch commercials and TVs and you know, all that because I'm still making my own story, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I'm in the lab. I'm in yeah. the lab, baby. I'm working. Yeah. I love it. I ain't took a vacation
0: since I've been home. But what's a vacation? Like, you love doing what you do. I do.
1: Well, my man say, when you love doing what you're doing, you never work a day in your life. So yeah. That's, that's me. true. I ain't never worked. I ain't never had a job. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Well, man, I, I really appreciate you coming down here. I really appreciate you coming on the podcast and sharing your story. And, uh, wasn't it wasn't
1: easy. This two-hour drive. Oh yeah, away. Well, you,
0: well, you know what? Next time, we'll come to you. We'll, we'll film another one. And, well, you know uh, what you can do for
1: me? Yeah. My dispensary is going to be open in about three weeks. And I'm asking everybody that I ever helped, that I ever talked to, uh, that felt I did anything for them to come down. You know, all the news is going to be there, and I want to make a big splash. Because w- w- what I see happening, right? Like two or 3,000 people probably going to show up. You know, Snoop might show up. Yeah. You know, uh, uh, 1500 Nut might show up. YG might show up. Anybody. Yeah. They all really should show up, you know, really. Because yep. I, I done touched them a little bit since I've been home. Yeah. And, you know, just to come by and, and say, hey, man congratulations you know because my accomplishment to have a dispensary is 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 a big deal you know when I first started trying to get it they were saying oh we don't want convicted felons having dispensaries and they're
0: the ones that are going to make it run
1: (laughs) (laughs) well you know I had to hit them with if it wasn't for the convicted felons it wouldn't be legal because nobody else was going to stand up for the rights right those other people they they wasn't going to stand up the right. felon said, "No, nah, y'all wrong. We going to do this shit. Put me in jail, do whatever you going to do." And when I hit them with that, they was like,
2: "Ooh." Yeah.
1: Yeah, so uh, me having my license is is definitely an accomplishment. Yeah. Uh in itself and now I'm going to have a cash flow that I can start exercising some of those principles that I learned in the books. You yeah. Know? Cause I was homeless for a while when I got home. Right. Did you see my documentary? I Crack haven't the watched system? the whole
0: documentary. I've watched a bunch of
1: your interviews. Um, Cracking the system. They were there when the marshals put us out the house. Wow. At my mama's house.
0: Yeah. I'm gonna. I'm gonna next so, by the so next time like we see each, will each
1: other. So it be saying, you know, like Michael Irvin was saying that his son, they <laughs> negated community. No, I really, we really did that. Yeah. My my baby's gonna be able to say, hey. They don't remember to being homeless, but they can say when they say they was homeless for a while, yeah. they gonna be really meaning it. So, um, man, I I just feel so blessed right now, you know, to 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 to, to be able. Did you read the L.A. Times article with Jesse Cash L.A. L.A. Magazine, you gotta read that one. That was okay. Dopest article ever wrote. Okay. Other than 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 Gary Webb's Dark Alliance, uh, he came and visited me when I was. Uh, at Lompoc yep. and he wrote my obituary so my obituary is already wrote when I die you know 20 years from now my obituary already oh that's wrote.
0: cool by Gary Webb
1: no no Jesse
0: Katz oh got it okay okay
1: LA magazine Jesse Katz uh 2013 uh Rick Ross is dreaming that's the name of it he really? said he said I was dead and I was just dreaming <laughs> <laughs> that's a trip <laughs> yeah but the article is so dope you know and in the article uh, one of the things he said, I was more buoyant than I'd ever been. Remember, he was the same guy that said when when he came to see me, it when six months. Yeah. When he came, I was only in there like six months when he first came to see me at MD, M- M- MCC. And he was saying like, I was kind of like, I wasn't talking to my kids. You right. Because I told my kids I wasn't going to prison. Right. How could I talk to them? Yeah. I couldn't face them. You know, I, I just was ashamed. And, and my humility was like, ugh, but I had, regrouped, you know, I came back, I shook out of it. Yeah. Like, uh, wake up. We're buoyant. Get That's out of a that. good way to put Get it. Get out of that coma. Yeah. <laughs> you ain't in no coma no more, wake up. Yeah. Go to work, you know how you got in here. Right. You, they, they didn't they don't let people come in here for, for no reason. You can't just go over there and knock. If you go there right now, knock on that door, and say, I want to come up in here, they ain't gonna let you in. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So I, I had to tell myself, you earn your way in here. Right. Earn your way out.
0: Well, now you're doing it legal. Thank you so much for coming on. I Thank appreciate you. it. Next time we do this, I'll come to you, and I would love to come up and see see your businesses and. Uh,
1: come to my dispensary I, in three weeks.
0: Love to see what you're what you're doing, man. So.
1: Come to the dispensary in three weeks. You're gonna see something. All right. Bring the cameras. Cool. All right. All right. <laughs>